Well, a couple years back, I heard a quote that I haven't been able to forget. Ignorance is bliss, except in self-awareness. <laughs> Think about that for a moment. Ignorance is bliss, except in self-awareness. Now, while there are many things that we can benefit from not knowing, like what's the latest thing a Kardashian family member said or did, ignorance about ourselves or our blind spots is never bliss. In fact, what we might not see or know about ourselves can greatly hinder our faith, can hurt our relationships, and even hamper our growth in significant ways. And so to combat our ignorance of ourselves and our blind spots and some of our self-knowledge, there's been a huge industry that has arisen uh, that offers self-assessments and self-diagnostic tools to help us better know ourselves. Maybe you've taken some of these, like the Myers-Briggs personality exam, to, among many things, tell you, are you more introverted or extroverted? By a quick show of hands, how many introverts are in the house? Reluctantly, some hands go up. How about the extroverts? Where are my people at? All right. Yeah, I'm free this afternoon if you want to hang out. We can just spend a ton of time together. Summerfest in a couple weeks is going to be awesome for extroverts and introverts. Uh, maybe you've taken things like the DISC assessment, or maybe you've done uh, uh, the Enneagram personality test to see which of the nine primary personality types you are. Or maybe you've taken a career assessment to, uh, like the IDAC, to better determine what kind of uh, field you should study or work in. Or perhaps you've taken a GIST assessment, much like the strength finder, to better know more about yourself. I don't know about you, but I just love these kind of exams, uh, these self-assessments. Maybe it's because I'm so self-centered, perhaps. But how many self-assessment junkies do we have out there? Anybody? All right. Well, probably my favorite one that I've ever taken uh, was designed for Christians to help them in their spiritual growth. And among the things that this test would help to talk about and reveal would be what biblical character you are most like. So I took this exam and couldn't wait for the results because I was nearly certain that the test was going to show that the character in the Bible I was most like was Jesus. <laughs> Why'd you laugh at that, huh? But much to my surprise and chagrin, the biblical character that it came back revealing that I am most like is the Old Testament character, Jacob. Yeah, I wasn't too happy about that either. I mean, Jacob, no one likes him. His name actually means deceiver. And I thought, what does that have to do with a good, honest, wholesome pastor like me? Well, the test revealed a lot more than I had originally thought. It showed that since one of the gifts that I think God has given me and what I use most in my life and my work are words. And since words can be a strength for me, they conversely come with this temptation to use words in a perhaps exaggerated way or a way to make myself look better or my stories funnier than what they really are. My wife likes to joke that I, my middle initial S in David S. Ripper stands for David Stretch Ripper. In other words, I like to stretch things out. I'm not even exaggerating about that right now. <laughs> and so this has actually helped me a lot to sense when I might be tempted to, to, to deceive or to use words in the wrong sort of way. This test actually called deception my signature sin, a sin that I am most prone to be tempted to succumb to. Think for a moment about what biblical character perhaps you are most like 
And then more importantly, what might be your signature sin? Because knowing that can help you take great strides forward in your faith and your life and what you value most. Well, today we're continuing our series called Gaining Ground, which is a series all about how we can experience growth and progress in the areas of our lives that matter most. Ultimately, that's God and his purposes. And, as, and if we want to take steps forward in our faith, we have to have a very clear picture of where we are, where we stand here and now. That way we can go to the next spot. And because of its importance, I think self-awareness is something that Jesus wants us to have a firm handle on. In fact, in the Gospels, he shares a very powerful self-assessment or diagnostic tool uh, that has become famously known as the parable of the sower or the parable of the four soils. And in this parable that we're going to look at here in a moment in Matthew 13, Jesus is going to encourage us to do a little self-assessment assessment to find ourselves in this story to see which of these four soils we are most like. And now if you've been around church for a while, let me just offer a caution. Don't jump to the conclusion that you are the last soil right away. Perhaps you might be more like the other soils than you think. And while that might be a little scary, I think it's a good thing as long as we are aware of it. So for us to know how we might gain ground, we have to know the kind of ground that we are right now. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew 13, where we can follow along on the screens together. This text begins like this. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach listening. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Then other seed fell on the roots, or among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And then verse 8, other seed fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. So after sharing this parable, Jesus Followers, and I think the crowd that was there were kind of left confounded, kind of scratching their heads, wondering, what is he talking about? And if you were wondering the same thing, you're really in good company here this morning. So after this, Jesus' disciples kind of ask him, why do you speak so mysteriously, kind of hiding the truth of what you want to say? Why don't you just blurt it out and tell us plainly? And Jesus said, I speak this way because there are some things that you cannot understand about what I'm saying unless you are trying to put them into practice. In other words, there are things you won't know unless you go to follow me and try and do what I am saying. And so what Jesus is doing here is he is inviting people to make him the teacher of their lives. 
See, all of us are following somebody who is teaching us how to live, some philosophy, some person, whether we know it or not. It's very important for us to be aware of who our teacher is for who is showing us how to live on a daily basis. And I believe Jesus would say, if you can find somebody or some philosophy that's better than my approach to life, then you should follow that. But I don't think we're going to find a philosophy or a way of life and love that is more powerful, uh, more impactful than Jesus' philosophy. So he is inviting us to enlist him as our teacher to show us how we can live. And I believe as we learn that, we're going to see this, that the best way to understand the words of Jesus is to follow the way of Jesus The best way to understand the words of Jesus is to follow the way of Jesus. So we need to enlist him as our teacher, much like Tom Brady has enlisted Alex Guerrero to be his best friend and pay him a lot of money. I mean, to be his uh, coach and helping the TB12 method. Sorry for a little football jab early on in the preseason. Well, let's move on now to verse 18. And let's now imagine Jesus here is speaking to his followers, those who are trying to put into practice what he has said. And so Jesus explains this parable to them. Uh, Let's skip down here now to verse 18, and he says, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but only endures for a little while. And then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, and who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, and another sixty, and in another thirty. So here in Jesus' explanation of this parable, we meet several main characters or elements in the story, and we'll walk through each of these one at a time. The sower, the seed, the four types of ground, and then lastly, the evil one. So first, the sower. I brought with me here today a picture that is found in the Museum of Fine Arts. It's called The Sower by the French artist Jean-Francois Millet. That's my best French interpretation of his name. And he painted this picture for the elite class to see that those whose work that was not thought to have much dignity to it was actually beautiful and meaningful and significant. And so here in Jesus' parable, he is kind of implicitly likening himself to be this sower. And I think this image helps to cast some light on just what that role is like and just what the work of Christ was. We see that Jesus stoops to do undignified work so that people of all walks of life, from every background, from the lowest rungs and the ladders of society, and the least suspecting places, might get to experience life with him. That's why he scatters seed and sows it intentionally across all different types of surfaces. So next, this sower is planting seeds. And the seed here is, uh, as the text said, is the news of the kingdom of God. 
Now, a couple of weeks back right here, I was privileged to interview a couple of our ministry partners, Todd and Leslie Eggleson from uh, Peer Servants, and they developed an incredible definition of the kingdom that I'll share again with you here this morning. They said that the kingdom is a place in time where Jesus reigns, and as a result, people honor and worship him. They enjoy a loving relationship with each other and creation. They live with sufficiency and dignity. Uh, They have access to power to overcome the forces of evil and do amazing good. They experience truly abundant life and extend such a kingdom to others. It's a powerful definition, and if you missed that, I encourage you to go back and listen from a couple weeks ago. And in that message, they also challenged us that a big part of how we can best gain ground in life is to think about the footprint that God has given us and try and cultivate the conditions of the kingdom as best as we can wherever he has placed us, whatever ground we might be standing on. So to do that, I think we need to understand what the right kind of ground is like. So let's look at that by examining now the four different types of ground that Jesus speaks of. The first one that we meet is the path. Path is a hardened surface that was, is really good for walking on, but it's not good for harvesting the growth of seeds, of course. The seed kind of lands on this surface, but because it's so beaten down, because of its impermeable quality, it doesn't last long. In fact, the reason it doesn't last long is because of the next character the text introduces, and that is the character of the evil one. And this is no mere fictional character. The evil one is a real person who wants to snatch the seed from the path before it has any chance to take root and to grow and to flourish. The enemy often lies unseen, hidden, uh, continues to be persistently prowling. I think one of his greatest strategies to to work against us in our modern Western society is to try and get us to forget that he is real and that he exists. Yet we must not remain ignorant of his presence or be oblivious to his work. I believe the enemy absolutely hates the fact that here at Grace, we are talking about gaining ground because he wants nothing more than to snatch out the work that God is doing, to choke it out so that we lose ground instead of gain it for the kingdom. He wants to see us atrophy instead of grow. He wants us to flounder instead of to flourish. Ultimately, Jesus has defeated this enemy, and we praise God for that. But somehow, mysteriously, he still allows this evil one to work until the day Christ returns and he annihilates him forever. So, to revisit our opening quote and the importance of awareness, let me say this. Ignorance is bliss, except in self-awareness and enemy awareness. We have to remember that he wants to steal, kill, and destroy the work of God in us. And he's actively trying to do that. So next in the parable, we meet the rocky ground or a gravelly kind of like surface. The message translation describes this this kind of surface this way. The rocky ground is the person who hears instantly and responds with enthusiasm, but there is no soil of character And so when the emotions wear off and some difficulty arrives, there is nothing to show for it. That description strikes a little too close to home, doesn't it? Well, after the rocky ground, we meet the thorns. 
Again, the message translation gives a very telling, convicting description of this kind of ground. It says, the thorny ground is the person who hears the kingdom news, but the weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangle what was heard and nothing comes of it. Just sit with that for a moment. How might your worry, your fear, perhaps your lust for more, be strangling out the good work that God wants to do in and through you here and now? Well, finally, we're given the last soil, the, the, the one that we should strive to be like, and that is the good soil. We could say the good soil is the person who takes in this kingdom news, doesn't just hear it, but really internalizes it, and then as a result, through God's grace, produces a harvest beyond her or his wildest imaginations. So I'd like for you just to do a little self-assessment before we unpack this further. At a first glance, which of these four types of ground seem to most characterize your life, your faith? I think for some of you who might be listening and are unsure of perhaps where you stand when it comes to your faith journey, I believe this parable is an indirect yet really strong nudge that Jesus is using to try and challenge you to become more and more like the good soil. And you can do that by surrendering your life to him and choose to make him not only your teacher, but to make him your Lord and your Savior to say, Jesus, I need you for the forgiveness of my sins. I want to make you the leader of my life so that I would follow your ways and learn to be your student or your disciple, to live my life the way you would live it if you were me. That's what Jesus wants to invite you to. And you can make that decision right where you are, wherever you are. And we would love and be honored to pray with you as well, if you'd like to do that. But now for many of us who've been around church for some time, I think we can almost immediately associate ourselves as being the good soil. I mean, if we've put our faith and trust in Jesus and we're living as his disciples, then, then of course we can be assured that we are. And don't let me uh, concern you in that way. But one of the big aha moments that came for me in studying this text and its relevance for my life as a Christian came back when I was in seminary a handful plus years ago. And one of my professors said, not only can you be one of these four soils in the kind of ultimate sense, but each and every day, your soul is like one of these four soils. You might be very open and receptive to what God is doing, or you might be hardened and closed to what he wants to do. So yes, we might be good soil in one sense, but let's think now about the most recent season of your life, maybe the past several weeks. Which of these four types of ground would most characterize your last stretch of living? How might you have been the path? How have you displayed perhaps stubbornness or a hard-heartedness or a bitterness or anger or perhaps a refusal to acknowledge your own wrongdoing or shortcomings? Perhaps there is something that some kind of resentment that maybe is just preventing the kingdom from gaining ground in your life or perhaps your family. If any of this rings true, then perhaps you might have been more like the path than you originally thought. Or let's say you've been like the rocky ground. 
Maybe you had some really good intentions to do something important for your spiritual life. Let's just say you came off of this great church service or came back from this retreat or this mission trip or or great experience in like a small group and you were resolute that now I'm gonna make this change in my life. But it's kind of the emotional high started to dissipate and you started to find yourself back in your normal everyday routine. You've kind of fallen back into the same habits and now you haven't made good on that good intention you had made maybe only hours or days or weeks before. As I look back on my life, I can see how I have been the rocky ground time and time and time again. Very sadly, unfortunately. Maybe how have you been like the thorns? Perhaps you were sensing God calling you to follow him in a certain direction, to maybe take a big risk or step in faith, but ultimately your fears, your worries, or your concerns or desires for the things of this world somehow got in the way. Maybe it's that pursuit of the American dream like we talked about in our previous series, The Chase. What would you say have been the thorns in your life recently that might have been choking out the life of God from you. Then lastly, I imagine there are some ways that we have been like the good soil. Maybe we've experienced some gains or some points of growth, and if so, then don't let this opportunity pass by without you celebrating the good work that God has been doing in and through you. I think the good soil is ultimately who we want to be. And while we can't control the amount of fruitfulness that is produced in and through our lives, only God can, we do have some kind of control over the condition of what our ground is like. And I believe that what goes into making soil good is very similar to what goes into making a soul soul good and ready to be very fruitful and productive. So since I don't play in the dirt as much as I used to, I have invited uh, a friend, uh, one of our uh, members here of our Grace Chapel Lexington campus, Danielle Gilda, who is a grower and a gardener, to come and share a little bit about what makes good soil good. So would you welcome Danielle up here with me today? All right. Get this out of your way, Danielle. Awesome. So Danielle, as you're getting set up, would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, your family, how long you've been here at Grace, and uh, something about your work as a gardener and farmer and educator? Sure, yeah. So my husband, Ben, and I have been coming to Grace for a little bit under 10 years. Um, We just had our first daughter, Adeline, last year, who is 15 months old as of today, actually. Yay! That's awesome. (laughs) Um, And I have been um, a teacher for a long time. I was working at the Lexington Montessori school as their farming and nutrition teacher um, for a bit, and I'm starting a new venture in the fall, uh, teaching some outdoor education classes for kids. Wonderful. So when Jesus was speaking about this parable, he was talking to a society that was very agrarian. They knew a lot about how things grow, and I think in our day and age, we're a little bit more removed from how things really grow well. So could you talk to us a little bit about kind of like the 101 basics of what goes into good soil and the right conditions to help things grow and be fruitful? Sure. Um, So it's helpful to remember that soil is the foundation and the environment that helps plants to grow. Um, So we have to get that right before we Get the soil right. Yep. Um, So there's four components that we can talk about. um, Balance, um, location, and timing, and space. Balance, location, timing, and space. And thanks for bringing a little visual. You you know visuals are close to my preaching heart, so thank you for bringing that here today. I like to bring it everywhere with me. Oh, that's right. That's why you carry that dirt everywhere you go. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, so balance, we can start with balance. So yeah. um, you can't quite see this from the audience, or even Dave and I can't see it, but underneath the soil, there's a really complex ecosystem um, of a balance of nutrients, minerals, um, microorganisms, it has a certain kind of pH, all that stuff um, goes into what makes soil. So if any of these are imbalanced, it directly impacts all the life that is above the ground, especially when that's over time. So if I can't see that, is there a way I might be able to stick my hand yeah, in? Yeah, go for it, yeah. See what healthy soil feels like. Wow, that, that feels really balanced. Wow. <laughs> wow. And there's even, there's even some like crawling critters in here too. Wow, yeah, that really feels like, a, feels like a worm. Kind of smells like a worm. Tastes like. It brought a snack for you. Tastes like a gummy worm. There we go. <laughs> All right, so balance. What's yeah. next? So, space is next. So, this directly refers to the space in between the pores of the soil. Um, so, two parts of this. You want to make sure that. Quick aside, that dirt oh. is really crunchy. Um, I could. <laughs> I'm going to resist making any dirty jokes here, okay? <laughs> so. Right. Go back to Let's uh, get back on track. Yeah, sorry. Um, so space. Space. So this is referring to the pores in between the soil. So two parts of this is, um, as you can see when I do this, you might not be able to see well, but um, when um, a, a healthy soil has water coming into it, it not only absorbs it appropriately and effectively, but it also um, retains it down to the deepest level. Um, so it gets to those deepest roots for in times of drought and other adverse um, conditions. Wonderful. And so after space, and there's what? Timing and location. Yeah. So next, timing and location. So with location, you want to make sure that your seeds, and I have a few seeds here just to give you an example. When you're planting these seeds, you want to make sure that they have a specific location in relation to the sun. Okay. So they need um, consistent sunlight for the most part, um, both to warm up the soil so that the seed can sprout, but also to feed the leaves as well. That's great. Um, and then for timing, as you talked about a little bit earlier, it talks about seasons. So yeah. we can't expect a harvest um, in every season, and we can't expect every seed to produce fruit in every season. So that's something you have to really take care to understand is which seed would thrive in which environment. Right. So I just can't plant whatever I want right now and expect next week for to see these great instantaneous results. It probably wouldn't work out for, for you. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, just, just for me personally. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I see how it is. Um, yeah. I'm not good at growing things. So that's okay. Um, now, now, as a preacher, I'm just hearing so many spiritual parallels to what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Can you maybe share a couple of the connections? You know, as you're working in the dirt, you're, mm -hmm. you're probably hearing some good things and this is probably ministering to you a little bit. So share a couple spiritual insights that you have from sure. what you just talked about. Yeah. There's so many strong parallels. It's a little bit hard to choose. But um, one of the big ones that um, is easy to remember is putting ourselves in a location in relation to Christ's light and his warmth. So um, that could be things like a worship service today, um, sharing our faith with our friends and family, um, personal quiet times, and being really introspective of what kind of foundation or soil that we're creating in order to thrive with God. That's good. And what you described there sounds like balance to me. It's not just like mm -hmm. one way that you're pursuing Jesus and to be exposed to his light, but mm -hmm. you're really having a healthy balance of what that can look like. And, mm -hmm. and beyond that, how else does balance kind of look in our lives? Yeah, so um, just like soil, we kind of need that time.
time of rest and replenishment. Yeah. Um, and that happens periodically. It can happen daily, weekly. Um, so we need time to um, replenish our nutrients just like soil does. Yep. That's great. And as I remember us talking before, you said probably the healthiest signs of a good mm-hmm. plant is the ability to withstand harsh conditions. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's really similar to our uh, life with Christ as well. So one of the biggest ways you could tell if you have healthy soil or not, if you're just looking at it and observing it, is can it withstand things like drought and other adverse weather conditions? So without the strong foundation, the plants above will not be able to survive that. And so a good maybe indicator of healthy faith is that mm-hmm. the, the ability to go through some hard times and come out on the other side and be stronger as a result. Exactly. So last question I would say is, now to tend this soil and to help these plants grow, what's probably like the most important basic practice that good gardeners will you know, tell you? Mm-hmm. So I think the biggest word for this would be consistency. Consistency. Mm -hmm. Um, All weather, um, all seasons, really consistency with feeding and with weeding. Feeding and weeding. mm -hmm. I like how that rhymes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So feeding, so things like water on a daily basis, feeding also the nutrients to make sure the soil is replenished and has time to rest. Um, And then of course weeding, as we all know, it's not the most fun thing. Um, But when we weed, and I can give a little bit of an example here. So I have some weeds from my yard. (laughs) Um, So when we're weeding, we need to pull these weeds out slowly and patiently. If you rip it out, some of the root might still be there at the very deepest layer. So you can pull it out and you can see I got the deepest root here. Um, And that's one of the, obviously, of course, that uh, implies to our faith as well when we're Taking this out is kind of like your signature sin right here. That's it. Okay, that's good. Yeah, and weeds are a little deceptive because sometimes they don't look all that ugly. Like, and you just mm-hmm. think, ah, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But like, what's happening underneath is they are absorbing the nutrients mm-hmm. and all the things that would help the soil be healthy and help the plants really grow, right? Right, yep. So that's going on without even us knowing it. It's taking over the nutrients in the water. It's also stealing the warmth and the light can also block out from the, the um, plant that you're trying to bear fruit from. That's great. Well, thank you so much, Danielle, for this Mm -hmm. demonstration, for sharing these important insights about what goes into good soil and the importance of consistency. We'll uh, talk a little bit more about that. Can we thank Danielle for joining us here this morning? Thank you. Thank you, Danielle. Awesome. Well, as we wrap up here this morning, if we want to gain ground for what matters most in life, we need to first have an honest self-awareness of what kind of ground we are each and every day. And we'll gain ground as we cultivate the conditions of the good soil in our souls. So let's just kind of finish by briefly highlighting three qualities that I think make for good souls as that parallels the good soil, followed by just a simple practice that each and every one of us can do to be more like the good soil every day. And the first, as kind of Daniel alluded to, is patience. You know, we find ourselves living in an instant society where we can get whatever we want, whenever we want it, however we want it virtually. And yet, discipleship doesn't work that way. Spiritual growth does not happen overnight, and its work is often unseen and kind of underground like the growth of a plant. So for us to be, uh, for us to be good soil and good souls, we need to be patient with the process. We need to be patient with God 
And we need to be patient uh, with those who you journey alongside. And we even need to be patient with ourselves. And then secondly, as Danielle said so well, we need to be consistent. Just as consistency is such a critical component of growing plants, vigorous consistency is absolutely essential to gaining ground and growing spiritually. We need to feed our souls daily, not just weekly. We need to regularly take time to weed out the bad habits and thought patterns that are aiming to choke the life of God out from under us and within us. And then lastly, we need to have humility. Humility. What's fascinating about this word is that its Latin origin, humus, actually means to stay close to the ground. To stay close to the ground. I think that means that we need to have a strong self-awareness of where we are currently. And we also need to have a strong God-awareness of what he is doing. We need to remember both our strengths and our limits to be humble. We need to know who we are and who we're not as we think about humility. So staying close to the ground, I believe, means that, that we learn to need God more and more. We have the boldness to ask the questions that we're afraid to ask. We're willing to step out. We're eager to learn. And ultimately, we are learning to depend on the grace of God to do only what he can do to help us be like that good soil, to be fruitful each and every day. Now, throughout this series, we have been offering a strategy for gaining ground followed by a practice. So in week one, we said that to gain ground, we need to multiply for good what God has given us by grace. And the way that we can do that is by praying uh, what we describe as a kingdom-like prayer, where we pray for God's kingdom to come and the conditions of the kingdom to, to be present wherever we are. And then last week, Pastor Brian talked about gaining ground by remembering that the ground that we stand on here and now, it is not ordinary ground. It is holy ground. It is sacred. We need to take our shoes off. And I won't make you do that again this week. Don't worry. Uh, but the way that we can remember the ground is holy is by being present to the very presence of God. And then this week, to gain ground, my contention is that we need to stay close to the ground. We got to remember that from dust uh, we have come, and, th and that's the direction that we are headed. We need to be uh, very intricately familiar with the dirt of our own lives, both the good and the bad. And ultimately then, we can stay close to the ground by this practice I'm describing as reflecting and uh, to reset, to reflect and to reset. And it's a very simple practice. Uh, I brought pictures of my planner that actually has a uh, page each and every week devoted to taking a little bit of time to stopping to reflect and then to reset on the core areas of my life. Up here are listed our spirit, body, mind, relationships, home, work, and resources. And to grow spiritually, we have to pay attention to all of these areas. Because if you want to change your whole life, the best way to go about that is by changing and strengthening the individual parts. And so I'll look through it. You know, how's my thinking been these days? What have I been giving my attention to that's not right? How about my body? Am I eating right? Am I exercising? Am I sleeping enough? What's bad that I've been putting into my body? And then as I think through all these things like relationships and work and my home life, I stop and pray and ask God, to help me reset my life so that I can be headed in the right direction in the days to come so that I can be more and more like the good soil tomorrow than I was today. Think about that in your life just for a moment. If you were gonna be more like the good soil tomorrow than you are today, 
What is one area of your life that needs to be reset? What's an area of your life that you might need to feed just a little bit more? Perhaps what's a weed that you need to pull from your life that it might not look like it's that harmful at first glance, but underneath the surface, it's starting to steal the joy of your soul. But ultimately, if we want to, re- to reset, we need to reflect on the humility and the groundedness of Jesus himself. Even though he is God eternal, he humbly stepped into our world. He walked the very ground of our lives and he went to the cross so that by his grace, path people, uh, rocky ground people, and thorny people could become like the good soil. And his grace extends that invitation to each and every one of us every single day so that we can be like this soil, so that we might join God in helping to gain ground for the kingdom here and now. So my brothers and sisters, let me leave you with this. To gain ground, stay close to the ground by staying as close to Christ as you possibly can and trust him with the harvest. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this message that you have given us to help us examine our lives and our hearts. And so, Lord, we pray, search us and help us to know us. Show us any offensive or wrong way that we are uh, engaged in. And instead, create in us a steadfast spirit. Help us to be like the good soil by your grace. Perhaps that means we need to make a decision for Jesus, or perhaps we need to come back to him and reset our lives. Whatever step anyone needs to take who's hearing this today, Lord, I pray you would fill them with your spirit to have the courage and the boldness to make that next step. I pray this all in the strong name of Jesus, our teacher, our Lord, our Savior. And in his name, we all pray together. Amen.